Good evening and welcome to Bethlehem Lutheran Church where God has called and gathered us here this night to receive his gifts through his word. Our first reading for Good Friday will be the intro for Good Friday. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. All we like sheep have gone astray. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Hear my prayer, O Lord, let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me. Answer me speedily in the day when I call. But you, O Lord, are enthroned forever. You are remembered throughout all generations. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. All we like sheep have gone astray, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Old Testament reading for Good Friday is from Isaiah chapters 52 and 53. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up, and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance, and his form appeared that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall, shall, shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told them they see, and that which they have not heard they understand. Who has believed what they heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised. And we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for sin, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, 
and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death, and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many, and makes intercession for the transgressors. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who, through Christ, reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself and not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Passion of our Lord, according to St. John, Chapters 18 and 19. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley, where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. So he asked them again, Whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken. Of those whom you gave me, I had lost not one. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? So the band of soldiers and their captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. First they led him to Annas, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had advised the Jews that it would be expedient that one man should die for the people. Simon Peter followed Jesus, 
and so did another disciple. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the court of the high priest, but Peter stood outside at the door. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the servant girl, who kept watch at the door, and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, You also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire, because it was cold, and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple, where all Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. When he had said these things, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand, saying, is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, If what I said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But if what I said is right, why do you strike him? Annas then sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So they said to him, You also are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it, and at once a rooster crowed. Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters, so that they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. So Pilate went outside to them and said, what accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves, and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken, to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So Pilate entered his headquarters again, and called Jesus, and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting, that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? After he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. But you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So, do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Then 
Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns, and put it on his head, and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you, that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold, the man! When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law he ought to die, because he has made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you, and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all, unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard the words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement, and in Aramaic, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold your king. They cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to be crucified. So they took Jesus, and he went out, bearing his own cross, to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side, and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription, for the place where the Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write, The King of the Jews, but rather, This man said, I am the King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, one woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clovis, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Behold, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, 
Behold, your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of preparation, and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken, and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other, who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus, and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has more witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, that you also may believe. For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled, not one of his bones will be broken. And again another scripture says, They will look on him whom they have pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about seventy-five pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So, because of the Jewish day of preparation, close at hand, they laid Jesus there. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Good Friday is all about the cross. It's all about what Jesus accomplished on the cross. And so, therefore, today we are going to talk about what is known as the theology of the cross. What is the focus of your theology? There's really two things that most people focus on when they're talking about the theology of God, the true God. And that is that they focus either on the glory of Christ, or they focus on the cross of Christ. When you are focused on the glory of Christ, you are going to be focused on His miracles, you're going to be focused on His power. You're going to be focused on the truth that even now our Lord is sitting on the throne of the universe and that our Lord is all-powerful, all-present, and all-knowing. And you will likely be focused on those things in your life, too. You will be focused on relying on the power of God, relying on Him 
to an extent perhaps expecting Him to give you that glory as well. Whereas when you are focused on the cross of Christ, we see a very different image of our Lord. Instead of seeing our Lord sitting high and mighty on the throne of heaven, we see Him nailed to a cross. We see Him naked and ashamed. We see Him suffering. And when you are focused on that, when you are focused on the cross of Christ, when you are focused on His sufferings, you will also perhaps be focused on your own sufferings. You will also perhaps notice that just as Christ suffered, you also will suffer. And you will know that while God is certainly all-powerful, that He will not necessarily rescue you out of every suffering that happens in this world. And so then, with these two focuses, we have to then ask the question, which one is the appropriate focus? And the best way to figure that out would be to look at the Bible and ask the question, well, which one does the Bible focus on? To answer that, I ask you to listen again to our intro it for this day, our intro it for Good Friday. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. All we like sheep have gone astray, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me. Answer me speedily in the day when I call. But you, O Lord, are enthroned forever. You are remembered throughout all generations. Surely, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquity. All we like sheep have gone astray. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Oftentimes, when we think about the throne of God, when we think about the throne that our Lord Jesus is sitting on at this very moment, we likely think of His glory. We think of it being the throne of the universe, the place that is the seat of power for all of God's miraculous powers, for all of His authority. And yet, interestingly enough, when you really think about where Jesus' seat of power is, where he won the day, where his glory, in fact, truly resides, you should think of the cross. You should think of the glory of the cross. It was on the cross where our Lord was enthroned forever. And it is on the cross where he is remembered throughout all generations. For it is the cross where he conquered 
and won the throne of the universe. It is the cross where he suffered and died in order to win our righteousness, in order to win us, and it is the cross where he successfully defeated all evil, all death, all sin, the world, even we ourselves. It is the cross where he conquered. Our Lord didn't come to us in his great and mighty power. Our Lord didn't come to us with legions of angels at his side, which he could have done. No, our Lord came to us humbly and mounted on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Our Lord came to us as one of us. And instead of winning the day through his glory, he won the day through his suffering. Specifically through his sufferings on the cross. Our Lord didn't come to us and just wash away all of our griefs and just say that we shouldn't be sorry anymore. He came to us and he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. He took those things and put them on himself. Our Lord didn't come wounding the evildoers. He didn't come crushing the devil. He came and was wounded for our transgressions. He came and was crushed for our iniquities. And he did all of this despite the truth that all we like sheep have gone astray. Despite the truth that we all try to run away from him just like the disciples ran away from him in the garden. He came and did all of these things knowing that as he was struggling for our salvation, that as he was fighting through the suffering in order to win our righteousness, that he would be abandoned by all those closest to him, including us. And yet, despite knowing that, he still bore our iniquity. That is to say, he still bore our sin and died for us. Our God, who became man, suffered the death of a sinner in order to defeat death. Our focus, both today and even on Easter Sunday, is on the cross and what he accomplished there. Our God, who one day, not through his glory, but through his cross, and thereby turning the cross into his glory, thereby turning his sufferings into the stripes by which he earned us. This is how our Lord won the day. And therefore, we ought not be all that surprised that those who walk the Christian way, that those who live the Christian life, are going to live a life of suffering as well. 
Our Lord never once promised us lives without suffering. In fact, quite the opposite in this world. He tells us to pick up our crosses and follow Him. He tells us that He will bring a sword that will divide families against themselves. He tells us that we will suffer persecution on account of His name. This is what our Lord has promised us. And yet, even in the midst of that, unlike what He suffered, we have His promise that He is here with us. We have His promise that while He will not necessarily remove all of the sufferings of our lives, that while we have no power to be able to name something and claim it from God, as if we're going to be able to win it through our own power and glory, that while we have no power to simply strike down whatever's going on in the world around us, which many of us would love to do at this particular moment. We have the promise that He is here, that He is with us in this suffering. And therefore, because we know that, we can pray along with our psalmist. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me. Answer me speedily in the day when I call. You can know that he will do that. That he will hear your prayer. That he will hear your cry. That he will let his face shine upon you in the midst of your distress. That he will incline his ear to you. And that he will answer you in the day when you call. He may not give you what you want. He may not take you out of the distress. But he will answer and he will be there. And the reason that he does this is because he gives us glory in the same way that he, gave, that he himself earned his glory. Because make no mistake, the day will come when our suffering will end. Just as the day came when Jesus' suffering ended. And it will likely end in the same way for us as it did for him. With our death. Perhaps not death on a cross. But it will be death. Unless our Lord spares us and comes before them. And yet also, in the same way as Jesus showed his triumph on the cross, in the same way as Jesus proved his glory that he accomplished in his death, we also will be raised. We will be raised as his trophies, as his prizes, as the goal that he was seeking. And thanks to what Jesus did on the cross, on that day, when we are raised, our glory will be made perfect in Him. The very glory that He has given us through His Word, through His sacrament, through our faith, will be made perfect and strengthened on account of the suffering that we went through. 
while we know the day is coming when we will be raised to perfection, and while we most certainly look forward to that day. Here and now, we focus on the suffering of our Christ, and how by enduring that suffering, He won our glory. For we too will suffer. But also, one day, thanks to what Jesus did when He suffered, we too will rise and He will use the sufferings that we experience in this world to make us even stronger than we would have been otherwise. Therefore, as we look around this world, as we see so many people suffering, as we ourselves are suffering in ways that we aren't used to, we recognize the truth that in the end, Jesus will use this too to strengthen us to eternity, that he will use this too to perfect us in his glory, and that the day will come when this suffering too will end. One way or another, whether by taking it from the world or by taking us from the world, we will rise and we will receive the glory that Jesus earned for us through his sufferings on the cross. Now may the peace which passes all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus.